Hello and welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast, brought to you by Local River Production. Now here are your hosts, Nick and Bill. When you say all right, it makes me feel all right. Well, you know, uh, we've been going over this debate on uh, Twitter, um, at parties, about the movie Die Hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Is it a Christmas movie or is it not a Christmas movie? Yeah. It's an action film. Well, I don't, uh, Josh. I say it's a Christmas film. Uh, Ryan. I'm in on the Christmas film. Chick. I say it's not Christmas until John McClane drops uh, Hans Gruber off the Nakatomi. Spoiler Nakatomi. Uh, that's, right. Oh, that's right. Ace. I'm going. Holiday action. Holiday action. But Holiday it's still action. a Christmas mute, uh, Christy. It's a Kwanzaa movie. I think it's an action film. <laughs> Uh, when well, you say Christmas movies, that does not spring to mind for me. No. no. Which one does? Elf. It's my favorite. Elf? Love Elf. Hi, I'm Buddy the Elf. What's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, uh, you know, to me, dad, any uh, movie that has <laughs> a Christmas scene in it is considered a Christmas movie. Okay, we'll okay. give you that, I uh, guess. It's a good thing to watch during the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I found out I was doing this program. <laughs> it sounds was, like you got a flat tire on the side of the road. Yeah, it when I like found ju- out, my car broke down. It sounds like jury duty. <laughs> when I, uh, when I, when I found out I was doing uh, Bob and Tom jury duty, yes. uh-huh. I, uh, I figured, well, I'll, I'll whip up something. Great. And uh, it's about uh, Die Hard, the Christmas movie. It's a Nakatomi Christmas, John McClane is in the air. <laughs> Wife Holly Gennaro knows that John will soon be there. <laughs> Douchebag Harry Ellis does another line of blow. Some dude's banging Blondie on a desk he doesn't know. John is pissed at Holly, she used her maiden name. Hans Gruber starts a shooting and the party goes insane. All hell breaks loose, but our hero doesn't lose his head. To me, it isn't Christmas until these words are said. Yippee-ki-yay, my wonderful. the coast. Yippee-ki-yay, wonderful. The LAPD's toast. Gruber doesn't know. Yippee ki yay, mother f- and machine gun ho ho ho. John McClane is barefoot. The bad guys shoot the glass. Our boy Roy gets pissed and kicks Edgar Winner's ass. I'm the detonators. Explosions everywhere. Nakatomi Plaza. Gonna need a few repairs. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, mother f- Come out to the coast. Yippee-ki-yay, mother f- The LAPD's toast. Yippee-ki-yay, mother f- Hans Gruber doesn't know. Yippee-ki-yay, mother f- Have machine gun, ho, ho, ho. It's a big promotion. Yippee-ki-yay, mother f- Hans Gruber dies in very slow motion. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Merry nice. Christmas, everybody. Oh, Merry wonderful. Day. There you go. Beautiful time. Very nice, Nick. Thank you. I, <laughs> I was reminded of that the other day when I was uh, listening to the Bob and Tom show. Yes, and <laughs> welcome everyone to our Die Hard episode. Yes, welcome. Can we can we call it what it is? The holiday movie episode? The Christmas movie I, episode. I think Christmas we should call it. Well, Christmas movie episode's fine. Whatever you want to call it, but you know, we're, we're, we need to get right out in front of this debate if we're going to yeah. do this. Yeah, um, so 
is it you know what let's just dump into it is it a christmas movie or is it not a christmas movie yes podcast over (laughs) (laughs) i i also think it's a christmas movie also uh unanimously at my work uh actually not unanimously i should say uh seven to five or no seven to two it's a uh, seven to five is actually a pretty close vote yeah i was gonna say uh, so, uh, I, out of seven people, uh, no, whatever. Seven people say it's a holiday movie. <laughs> Two people say it's not. Look, I've been, they're my kids. Or, <laughs> or in other words, seven people say it's a holiday movie. Two people are wrong. Yeah. That's exactly uh, and, right. Uh, the, and the two people, <laughs> the two people who uh, said that they didn't know, uh, were because they haven't ever seen the movie. Right. I so just recently asked, just recently bought Die Hard on Blu-ray because I didn't have it. It didn't come in in time for me to watch it. But <laughs> I want to show you guys the packaging that it arrived in. If it wasn't a Christmas movie, would it look like that? <laughs> oh, I want that sweater. It is that a, is awesome. it is a, oh my a God, dust cover beautiful. as a Die Hard sweater. And so now it's just a regular one when you take the thing off. But it also comes with... Christmas postcards. What? Yep. That, this one here says, Happy Holidays from the Nakatomi Corporation. And it's a tree <laughs> filled with bullet holes. And then uh, there's another one that uh, says, Glass, who gives a shit about glass, and it's an ornament. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, uh, let's see here, there's another one here. And here's one of Hans Gruber, and it says, Ho, 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 Mr. Cowboy. Nice. <laughs> and then the last one here says it's the uh, emblem of the Nakatomi Corporation, and it says "Yippee Kaye, Merry Christmas." Nice. That's so very. If nice. it wasn't a Christmas movie, would it have come with all of this? No, of course not. No. The end. And and that's that's the thing. I if so, I, I'm going to give a shout out to a, a friend of mine who I actually just talked to before calling into this podcast, and she I believe is standing by in case you want another um, <laughs> a, another point of view on this. And she made a very compelling argument because as she um, tried to explain the difference between calling us and not calling us old, but calling us older. Which I tried to say, there's not really much of a difference there, but basically she's going to say invite her on the podcast. But now you know what? Forget it. She's dead to me. This podcast could benefit from the perspective of a uh, professional millennial woman. So I'm like, well, we'll we'll," (laughs) duly noted, but we'll keep you on uh, we'll keep you on standby. But she has been uh, kind of prepping me for this with a whole bunch of counter arguments and whatnot. So it's it's interesting though. I watched the movies last week. Uh, I actually followed up the first one with the second one just because I had time to kill. So why not? (laughs) I watched it over the weekend. But I, I saw something on TV over the weekend that I thought was really, really interesting. I think it was during during the Bears game, one of the commercials. But there is a Comcast Xfinity commercial that is, like, for whatever their Christmas special is. So it shows all these people, you know, gathering around the Christmas tree and turning on the TV. And what Christmas movie are they turning on? Die Hard. Of course they are. Awesome. <laughs> and I, that I, that really kind of focused my thinking on this with regard to this debate. And, and honestly, I think it's just more of a fun debate. I don't know how realistic it is because... Oh, it's a fun debate, if the, yeah. if the movie exists in the public perception or the zeitgeist as a Christmas movie, then it's a Christmas movie. Right. Right? Like... Yeah. Well, yeah, it's I a, mean, the, the movie takes place completely on Christmas Eve. Right. With Christmas music. I mean, the movie opens with Christmas and Hollis. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean, and, and, and so it's and there's Christmas music all throughout the whole thing. Look, I get that it's not your typical, you know, ho ho ho, Merry Christmas, but I mean, it's pretty dang close. No, I I'd agree with that. It's um, I actually watched all the way through the credits, and it's always fun to watch credits in older movies because you get oh, through yeah. them in like thirty seconds as opposed to watching for five and a half minutes for a Marvel. Movie. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, yeah, a Marvel movie where you've got ten minutes left. Yeah, but the um, the interesting thing is that there are five songs credited in the end credits of Die Hard. Three of the five are explicitly Christmas songs. Right. <laughs> So you're over halfway there. The entire thing. So here, here's one for, for the listeners to Google if you can find it. I, I saw it come up in a thread through Facebook, but I'm sure you can find it on Google. I, w- I want to say it was a actually a Washington Post article. But they interviewed Stephen D'Souza, who is the screenwriter. And 
D'Souza actually makes a very compelling argument in that article that Die Hard is more of a Christmas movie than White Christmas is. <laughs> Did he really? See, now there's all an, I had... There's all, a, Bill, there is an infographic that he posts to explain why. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to find that. Because there was a... Um, <laughs> There was I saw that he was under the impression. So the, the guy who wrote it said, "Look, it's it's a Christmas movie." And yeah. mm-hmm. and Bruce Willis has come out and said, "Well, it's not a Christmas movie." It's like, well, yep. okay, if the guy who wrote it says it is, it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I was mean, not aware that there was an infographic. Yeah, I, I actually saved that article, and I want to say that the part of the I'll see if I can pull it up here, but. Um, one of the things that they had said was that the, I think it was one of the producers that while they were filming it, the producer would said something along the lines of like, this is going to be watched at Christmas time for years to come. <laughs> like while they were making the movie. And it's funny. I mean, this is a movie that came out in the summertime. Yeah. So I just, um, that had to have been weird to see in the theaters for the first time. Well, the the movie was also projected to be uh, a flop. Oh first. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, the, Bruce Willis was relatively unknown at the time. Um, this is how much research I did into this. Do you guys know that uh, how much he got paid for the movie? Uh, he got a lot, if I remember correctly. Five, he got five million dollars um, for the movie, which at the time of the movie coming out was like unheard of. I was gonna say, um, what, what's that adjusted for 1988 inflation? <laughs> That's got to be a lot. Yeah, it was like it was like it was a ridiculous sum of money um, that he that he'd gotten. Um, I think he was on some some show called some like sitcom called Moonlight. Yeah, he was on okay, Moon, Nick, like Moonlighting Nick, with Civil Nick. Shepherd was the only thing that he had done prior to this. Okay, Nick. Yeah. Nick. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now, I don't know look, what Moonlighting is. I'm yeah. sorry, Bill. <laughs> I was 10. I did not watch Moonlighting. Moonlighting was a very popular show back yeah. in the late 80s. <laughs> yes, it was. And he would, actually, mean, uh, he would actually film uh, for Moonlighting during the day and then shoot this at night. Um, so he would, he would, yeah, go from one set to the other. The difference was that Moonlighting was, a, I mean, it was essentially a rom-com yeah. TV show. And so Bruce Willis was... I mean, it was it was essentially like if you had made, you know, Chandler from Friends and said, "Hey, we're going to put him in an action movie." I would watch. Or we're going to put Jim from The Office and make him make him Jack Ryan. We um, we we already had that discussion. <laughs> we, we did, um, but people look at it and go, "What?" Well, but, yeah, because he was a, he was well, a nobody. I mean, you're you're looking at the time when you know Schwarzenegger and. And Stallone and all those guys, you know, those guys were huge. Those were. Did you, those were did the you guys. see the list of people who were offered this role before it got to Bruce yeah. Willis? No, yeah. I did not. I was okay. just going to ask that question. Who? So who's? On, I, I'm, I was assuming that there were people before him, and yeah. I'm wondering who it was. Yeah. Uh, it was offered to. So it, it was offered to Frank Sinatra, who was old at the time yeah. because of a contractual agreement. But here's, here's who the the real people it was offered to: Sylvester Stallone, yep, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson, Richard Gere, Don Johnson, Burt Reynolds, and Richard Dean Anderson had all been like in the mix for John oh, McClane. MacGyver is John Mac- McClane. MacGyver. Oh man. Uh huh. That would have been that been cool. All of those he's people the, were. He's offered the only work. one on that list that I would actually stipulate maybe I might have liked to have seen. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, the rest of these guys make no sense at all, but it's but just isn't, that's isn't how, that how why, far down the list he was. Isn't that why you cast somebody like Bruce Willis at the time in a role like that? Because otherwise, it like the whole plot of the movie is this just everyday average guy who gets himself thrust into this position that he's not prepared that nobody would be prepared to deal with. And if you get somebody like a Stallone or a Charles Bronson, like then it just becomes yet another vehicle for an action hero. Sure. It becomes another just Charles Bronson movie or Stallone movie. And I think that's the, the beauty of this movie is if you, if you watch it, John McClane isn't just going into places, guns blazing. I mean, he's, he's, trying to distance himself from whatever's going on. Like, he tries to get the police involved. He's not going in there saying, I'm going to, in, in the beginning, saying, I'm going to try, I'm just going to take this on single-handedly by myself. 
right. you know, he's trying to survive. He's hiding. He's, um, you know, he he's hiding. He's trying. He's he's not confronting, um, you know, these people until until later in the movie. Well, but, he's kind of forced uh, into it, right? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, forced, the cops his don't like. Um, Principal, what's his name from uh, the Breakfast Club? Doesn't believe him. You know, the, the guy. <laughs> Deputy uh, Deputy Chief Douchebag. Yeah, yeah, Deputy Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. <laughs> um, you know, he doesn't. But it's it, it's interesting because I'm. You know, I, I would actually like to talk to somebody who is a trained police officer and watch that movie with them because some of the stuff that he does, I mean, there's the scene when he leaves the Carl's brother with the, now I have a machine gun, ho, 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 in the elevator. And he's up on top and you see him, he's got a Sharpie and he's doing a tally of the terrorists and writing the names of the leaders down on his arm. It's almost like a research project so Mm -hmm. that he's got the information that he needs to call into the police. So you're right. He doesn't become the bang, bang, shoot him up action guy until he is forced into it by the end of the movie. He's got no other choice. Exactly. I could probably get you a trained policeman on the phone, but I was gonna say, <laughs> I got a, I got, I got a couple on the phone there. You got, you got a guy. <laughs> I got a couple. <laughs> um. So digging into the difference between the, the the book and the movie, which there's drastic differences. Uh, um, uh, the book. So what's the book called? Uh, so the book is called. Oh, and I already forgot the. Is title it nothing it. lasts forever? Nothing lasts forever is okay. yes. It, not, nothing lasts forever is the name of the book that this is adapted from. So there's sure. differences. Um, th- it's actually a series. Um, there's actually one book before this. Um, so um, there's a movie that I believe it was Arnold Schwarzenegger was in, uh, Commando. Yes. Um, uh, which is actually a closer adaptation of this this film uh, or this book than the film. This film is Commando um, is. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Uh, uh, it truthfully is because in this in the book he's John McClane's old he's grizzled um, you know he he's not this I mean younger guy that Bruce Willis is in this movie um, in the in the book he's um, he's going to see his daughter not his wife um, you know his wife and him split up he's going to see his daughter for Christmas um, that sort of thing. Uh, but the biggest thing, uh, the biggest difference between the book and the movie is that it takes place over five days in the really? book. Really? Yeah, it takes oh, place wow. over days in the book. Um, not, uh, But for the movie, they cut it down to one day. Um, not because they didn't think they could do it over five days, but they thought it would be more, more appealing, you know. Well, they, well that, they had to they had to make it a Christmas movie, so it all had to happen on <laughs> Christmas Eve, so you compress the timeline down. Exactly, exactly. Well, and if you think about it, they took... So they took this movie, which essentially took place over like a 12-hour period. Die Hard 2 takes place essentially over a 12-hour period. Die Hard with a Vengeance essentially takes place over a 12-hour period. And then the rest of the movies have sucked. So, uh... (laughs) I actually... The the fourth movie, I I actually... It it was kind of a guilty pleasure watch. uh, In in no small part, because I like Timothy Oliphant a lot, you know, from his role in Justified. But that, that fifth movie was so abysmally bad from the first minute. Like, I saw the fourth one. I don't remember it, but I have not seen the fifth one. Oh, I, I bought a, a few years ago, I bought like the first, it was before, right before the fifth one came out on Blu-ray, and I bought like a box set of the first four movies on Blu-ray at Best Buy because mm-hmm. it was like 20 bucks. And then that year on Black Friday, they had the fifth one for like $3. So sure. I bought it. I was just like, you know, I'll pick it up so I have the whole thing. Had never seen it before. I was maybe seven minutes into it. I was like, this is hot. This is like Batman and Robin territory for like worst movies. It's so bad. And and it's hard because, you know, the fourth one kind of whatever, but the first three movies, I mean, that is a, that's a legit solid action trilogy. I'll put that up there. against You know, and there's a lot of people. Die Hard 2 has a lot of detractors, but I actually like that movie. I, I mean, it was, I think they tried to wedge in a lot of stuff. I mean, it, that was one of the arguments I had in favor of it being a of Die Hard being a Christmas movie because if it's not a Christmas movie, why do they set the sequel in Christmas too? If not to continue sure. that that exactly. moving forward, I feel like that was a little bit forced. Um, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, the plot was decent. Like, you know, you've got a a, a group of American merc- you know, disgraced American mercenaries trying to rescue a anti-communist. Latin American drug lord who's being sure. extradited. Like, it, it's it's an interesting plot. And at they, the time when you're living through the Iran Contra stuff, I mean, right? Yeah, it was topical. Yeah, 
No, I mean it's it's right around the same time as as the the end of the Cold War. So you know it was decent, and and I think that movie gets a bad rap. I think it was it was fun to watch. I like William Sadler as uh, as the primary villain quite a bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not, I mean, so that that's another thing. He's none of the villains, whether it's William Sadler, or Jeremy Irons, or anybody else. I mean, that that's another argument I think you can get into about Die Hard. Is I will put Hans Gruber. You'd be hard pressed in terms of film villains of all time. I don't know that there's anybody better. He ranked. He ranked in something. I don't remember. I read it somewhere. That was. That was Alan Rickman's first movie role. Yeah, yeah, it was his first. Was it really? Yeah. He got the role by the 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 producer and the screenwriter. I think saw him in a play. and they well, knew yeah, right he was then, like a they were stage like, actor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was, yeah. <coughs> and, uh, in Britain. Yeah, and they were, um, and, and, and they knew right then, they said that they knew that Alan Rickman was going to be the, the, the main villain, so. Um, yeah, yeah I don't was, remember where I read it, but he was, it was like 40th or something in all time oh, that, movie that's villains that's a travesty, ever. like find, find me 39 villains that are greater than Hans Gruber, I, I don't buy it. I mean, like I put him up there with Darth Vader you know, and it, I'm like I'm serious because that's the thing. Like, there's no redemptive quality about Hans. At least Vader gets redeemed in the third True. or the original trilogy. But I mean, Hans is just a bad guy, and he's a mm-hmm. legitimately believable bad guy. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, IGN rated him the 14th top villain ever. That's better, but it's still not high enough. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if I can get the list. Yeah, give it. Give us at least a sampling of who's ahead of him. Yeah, I want to see who's ahead. I can get it. Hold um, on. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You can. Uh, what? I didn't want to. Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda. What the hell? <laughs> what is this like? Villains from all media? It must be. Here's Walter White. Palpatine. Uh, Emperor Palpatine. Okay. Moriarty and Sherlock. Okay, this is. But see, that's that's apples to oranges because Whatever. like even even with Walter White, who I'll stipulate that he's he belongs on that list. But the problem is, so he's you're talking more of an about hero. Well, but but you're talking about how many seasons worth of Breaking Bad? Right. That's that's you you get a lot more character evolution over that yeah. span of time. Whereas Than a two hour movie. Right, like a two-hour movie, you've got to make your mark in a much shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, I, there's, I can't think of anybody who I'd put above him. I, he's he's my number one film villain of all time. No, and he's. I mean, Alan Rickman was a great actor. I mean, so I, I hate mean, that we have to say was. I really. Well, do. I know. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yep. But, I mean. Um, the the scene uh the, well this is a case, kind of a case in point for me of why he's such a great actor but the scene where him and uh, Bruce Willis meet uh you know mm-hmm. where he he pretends to be American um that's improvised uh they say uh, really yeah yeah they they'd actually never met before that scene um, really yeah they'd actually never met that before that scene they wanted to get a genuine kind of reaction um oh you mean like Bruce Willis and Ellen Rickman yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they'd never uh, they'd never met before, um, and uh, they actually did the um, the American accent. They actually wrote in for him to do an American accent when they learned that he could do one so well, <laughs> like when he could when they learned that he could impersonate American accent so well. Uh-huh. Um, he uh, yeah they they wrote that into the script for him. So huh. yeah. Nick, I am impressed. You did do your homework. He did homework today, man. I did. I, I did do a lot of. Um, I'm shocked he read I, the God, book. I just. I love. I love this I'm movie. Still five minutes ago. The the book was a uh, the the book. It wasn't anything. I wouldn't recommend reading it. It was. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the best. Um, uh, actually, speaking of the book, did you guys know that Clint Eastwood actually owned the rights uh, to the book and actually planned on starring in the film? Uh, uh, originally, I forget when it was, but it was like years before or whatever. Yeah, it was like years before or whatever. But yeah, he actually owned the rights to the book at one point, so we could have had Clint Eastwood as well as uh, Frank Sinatra uh, as a uh, (laughs) yeah. 
I still think, I, I mean, I think looking back on it, it's hard to see anybody as John McClane except Bruce Willis. Right. You know, it just makes sense. Well, it's, but it's it's the same thing. You, you Every now and again, you'll get somebody who attaches themselves to a character. It's the same thing with Indiana Jones and Harrison yeah, Ford. Like, say, like with imagine Jones. somebody else coming into that role, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. But was Tom it, Selleck was offered that role? Yes. Yeah. That's right. I did hear that. Yep. Yeah, there's just some people that are just synonymous with, with roles, and this is one of them. I mean... I, I can't think of anybody else who would have done better. And I'm, no, I'm actually going back and, and, and trying to think about it. The, even the holiday movie stuff notwithstanding, you have the first Die Hard movie, which kind of arguably establishes a genre, right? It's not like it's the first action movie ever, mm-hmm. but think about a lot of the action movies that come out before that. I mean, you use Commando as an example. I mean, mm-hmm. you have war movies, you have things that are set in military, whatever. But this idea of, you know, just your everyday average guy who's pitted against something nefarious or the forces of evil or whatever you want to call it, you go back before Die Hard and at least in that type of layout, I don't know, I I can't think of anything like that. I mean, it kind of, whether it was the first one of its kind or the one that really cemented that genre, you get a lot of that stuff coming afterwards. I mean, imagine there's just a laundry list of those type of action movies that come after Mm -hmm. the first Die Hard movie where you'd be harder pressed to find it that it, that's out of like a military or or some other connotation mm-hmm. before Die Hard. Well, and people use it to describe stuff like the movie Air Force One with Harrison Ford. Oh, it's Die Hard on a plane. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what about it's, this it's uh, Under Siege? Under Siege. Yeah. Oh, it's Die Hard die, on a boat. Die Hard on a battleship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's that's exactly right. I mean, Speed. Die Hard on a bus. Die like, Hard on a bus. That's exactly right. You know. Yeah, I mean that that speaks to the movie itself when you can s- describe other movies as that movie and people are like, "Oh, okay, it's it's oh, every man I, I the versus concept. the name of the movie becomes an adjective instead of yeah. a noun." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it's 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 every guy up against insurmountable odds and yep. in the end he survives and gets the girl, you know? What's yeah. not to like about that? What what's not Christmassy about that? Exactly. Exactly. Plus, it's an ugly sweater. That's so brilliant. Oh, my God. I want that sweater. It was like six bucks, this thing. Uh, Why did you have to show me that? Now I want to go. Like, I already own all these movies. I want to go buy that just for the slip case. Just for the slip, yeah. See that? Isn't that great? It's got police cars and helicopters and. But, like, the attention to detail there, like, one of the designs on top is the the walkie talkie that he uses. This is Roy. That's so great. You see that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's super cool. I like those And it came with a digital copy, so I can stream it on my phone now. Nice. Yeah. That's, so that's I, nice also. I won't. Uh, my wife, let me, hold on a second. I guess, I don't know if I can grab it or not. I don't know where it went. Uh, my wife was asking me if I was going to do a reading. But back to the whole, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie debate. I actually found something, and I bought it on Amazon last year, the day it came out. But somebody actually did a illustrated picture book that's called A Die Hard Christmas. And it's yes, a lot of that. Die Hard set to Twas the Night Before Christmas. Awesome. It is like, I won't say it's the best $11 I've ever spent, but it was definitely but worth there. the $11 that I spent on Amazon. My wife was asking me if I was going to do a reading. I said, "Well, there might be some copyright problems with that." But, oh, we don't. Um, we don't. We don't worry about copyright problems here. <laughs> yeah, but that's I, not I, something I we're worried about. I, it, much like, uh, much like the chorus of the Bob and Tom song, they uh, they build up to the to the killer ending for it. I, I won't do the spoiler <laughs> alert, but it, it's it's definitely worth reading. My kids, my kids got their hands on it before they could read, and they thought it was just a picture book. They're like, "Ooh, can we read this one?" I'm like, "Nope, nope, nope, nope." nope. <laughs> Daddy, why is this read. man's shirt? Daddy, why is this man's shirt all red? Uh, give me that. <laughs> He's he dropped Boss. punch on it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He dropped punch on it. Yep, spilled some I'm ketchup. Good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He was eating a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't trip over the wires, dog. Hello. It's okay. You can go on. You can move. Sorry, yeah. I have the dog with me, guys. It's okay. Um, apparently, also um, during the movie, uh, Alan Rickman was apparently like really afraid of the the gunshots. 
so he'd flinch any time that the gun oh, the gunshots would go off. So you so uh, if you watch the movie close, you get like cutaways of any scene that he's in. Like when you see the gunshots, uh, or when you hear the gunshots, you'll get cutaways of his face. Yeah, because he'll he flinched apparently like every time the guns went off. Like he just couldn't get used to it. Which I is did see that when that when they were filming his his death at the end, yeah. they were giving him a countdown. They yes. were like, "Okay, we're gonna drop you when we get to three. And in order yep. to get a genuine reaction, they dropped him on two. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's fantastic. <laughs> that's one, great. two, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel, and so that way I they're like Alan Rickman on that, but that's still great. No, that's, that's what yeah, they were that's saying. A fantastic thing to do. That the that the reaction shot they took that was the first shot they took, and that was the first take because it was the most genuine. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> like that's oh. Awesome. What, well, what is what, somebody invariably somebody sends me that meme on Facebook like on Black Friday every single year that's that picture of him just when McLean lets him go and yep. it says like it's not it's not Christmas until I see Hans Gruber fall off Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They have uh... get, that's somebody. So speaking of that. Um, I, I know it was floating around, but my uh, my grad school program director of all people posted this, and my wife actually wants me to do this. Somebody made a homemade ornament. They took a shoebox yeah. and they cut the ends off of it and wrapped the entire thing in tin foil. Yep. And then somebody did like a screen print of the scene of McLean when he's in the heating duct, and they taped it to the back end of the shoebox. Yeah. So when you're looking at the ornament, it looks like you're staring down this heating duct with him getting ready to light the lighter. <laughs> and my That's wife awesome. was like, my wife was like, you need to make this for our tree. Like, <laughs> You're not going to really need to ask me twice there. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I'm not an artsy can, guy. Can you write that down for me, please? Somebody find me a shoebox Reynolds wrap. <laughs> yeah, that, that is – yeah, I've, I've seen that too. That That is awesome. That is so cool. Um, they also have a thing online where uh, somebody timed it out to where if you start uh, – <laughs> <laughs> oh, is is this like the Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon thing? <laughs> yes, but uh, but instead of uh, that, instead of it syncing up to something, it's if you actually started at a certain time on December thirty first, uh, Hans Gruber will actually fall at the same time the ball does uh, <laughs> for New Year's. <laughs> I'm googling that right now. I need um, to put a calendar <laughs> reminder on my phone. For yeah, that. And it's like if you start if you start Die Hard at such and such time, Hans Gruber will fall at exactly midnight. <laughs> Something like that. Every, every, time I lose, every time I lose faith in humanity, I hear something like that, and it leads me to believe there are actually worthwhile people in the world. There, there, there are still good people in this in this crazy world of ours. <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, now, tying, I, I forgot about that. Tying this back to our Jack Ryan discussion, did you know that the teddy bear that they used... In the beginning of the movie, it was the same one as the end of Hunt for October. Jeremy. You're kidding me! No, nope. really? and they're both and they're both same director. Yeah, wow. Yep, same director. Yes, that's that's right because John McTiernan directed both those movies. He certainly did. Yep, so I was like, like the, it's like the car in all the Sam Raimi movies. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly oh, like the car. Yeah, same teddy bear. That is crazy. You see, Jeremy, he just went like this. Yep. Um, I've got nothing more to add to this episode. I need to lie down and uh, think about what I just heard. Speaking did, of lying uh, down, I need the dog to lie down. Why are you did, uh, did you guys know that Nakatomi Plaza is actually the 20th Century Fox building headquarters? Yes, that I did know. I did not know that uh, until doing research for this. I didn't, uh, I didn't and know I, that. I like the fact that there is apparently uh, all jokes about the, sli- the sweater design and the slipcase notwithstanding. Apparently there's a cottage industry now around the holiday season. I went to, uh, it was the week before, week before Halloween, I went to a work conference in Vegas and I was, I thought it was kind of odd when I saw this, but I'm like walking around this work conference in the end of October and it's, uh, we're at the Mirage Hotel and I walk past this random guy who's attending this conference who's just standing there wearing a, a, a T-shirt that has, like, the Nakatomi symbol on it, and it says, like, Nakatomi Christmas Party 1988. <laughs> and I yeah. stopped, stood right in front of him, and I just pointed at his shirt. I was like, that's the greatest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> he, 
And he said I was about the 20th person that day who'd stopped him and said that. <laughs> it's a one percenter, but everybody who gets it loves it. Oh, that yeah. Sounds, that sounds like something that you would find on $6.tees.com, not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> <laughs> or Cole's, but, also not a sponsor of the show. But, but could be a sponsor of the show. But they could be. be if they wanted to. Could be. We'd be happy to have them. Yes, we would. Yeah. Um... I mean, this. I feel I, like I, I feel like we could have stretched this out. I, I we should have like gotten somebody who was adamantly in the anti-Christmas movie camp and just spent you know an hour oh, arguing, really berating them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, though, right. it's the same people though who argue that Gremlins isn't a Christmas movie either. And I think we all understand that Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Well, yes. Sure, it takes place at Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Well, I, I think that there's there's actually more to it than that, and, and that's where the uh, I'll go back to Stephen D'Souza's infographic, where they're even going into like the idea of uh, I was I was kind of working this out in my head, but the idea of you know what this one person, if you really want to dive deep into the symbolism, the idea of this one person in the form of John McClane, you know, who's basically sacrificing himself to a certain degree for the salvation of other people and suffering for the benefit of other people. And um, not like I'm going out on a limb and comparing John McClane to Jesus, but it's, there's a lot of the themes that work there too. And it's not just this idea of, you know, bang, bang, shoot him up action movie that there's actually some concepts of sacrifice that go along with this. And there's run DMC because why not? Oh, heck yeah. Well, and if you think about it, at the time, that would have been... And I don't know if that song came out in the movie or if it was just out. But that was a hot song. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's That's still a, a good song. Christmas. It's a We've great been Christmas listening song, to it, like, because my wife makes the kids listen to country, so I make them listen to the other stuff. And I'll tell you, my kids are getting a healthy dose of uh, <laughs> of Christmas and Hollis the last couple there of weeks. Yeah, two two Christmas. I, I find it I find it hard to admit. I mean, I was I was eight when that movie came out, and it I didn't see it obviously when I was eight, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't like twenty years afterwards that I watched it for the first time. But that movie is actually responsible for what is probably my favorite piece of classical music because at the end credits, um, after Let It Snow, Let It Snow plays, um, they do Beethoven's Sixth Symphony which is the Ode to Joy, and mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite pieces of classical music, and I've actually thought about it, and I think that's why, because it was the first time I had ever heard that at that age, and like, oh, this is a really enjoyable piece of music, and I've actually always associated that piece of music with Christmas because of that movie. Yeah. Oh, I can know. see that. I don't I know why, that. I just, that's kind of just what happened. Well, and because Ode to Joy plays a lot in the movie. Yeah. You know, it's not it's just not on one. On no, it's not just on the end credits. It is, there. there's more to it than that. Yeah, it's almost like a backing track for a lot of them. Yeah. Which, which, if you think about it, gives the movie a little bit of gravitas. I mean, it, they're not, they're not digging for a bunch of pop songs that, you know, from the 1980s or whatever. Yeah. It's, you, you got your, you got your requisite Christmas songs, but then you're going to use a Beethoven symphony is the principal part of your soundtrack to an action movie. That's mm-hmm. kind of revolutionary if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, Christmas and Hollis did not come out in Die Hard. It came out on a very special Christmas the year before and then was featured in Die Hard the following summer. So, But still, I mean, I think that if you ask any, most people, it, they would know it from that. I still can't get over the fact that Die Hard 1 and 2 both came out in the summer. Could you imagine going into a movie theater in, you know, the middle of July and sitting down and watching a movie with all the snow and Christmas songs and stuff? It just... I feel like all great Christmas movies come out outside of the Christmas... Well, but the, the first one I get, because the first one is actually set... I mean, it's set in L.A., so yes, True. it's it is a Christmas movie. There, it's happening during Christmas Eve, but you're not pummeled by the visuals of snow falling all over the place. The second mm-hmm. one's different because the second one happens in a blizzard in, in Washington DC. DC. Yeah, right. Yep. So that one would be a little harder to swallow. But then again, it's also the sequel as part of an established franchise, so people are going right. to be more willing to to offset that. The thing that will really give you pause if you want to think about it, and it, it kind of makes me, you know throw up in my mouth a little bit whenever I watch Die Hard. If you go to the scene after Powell buys the Twinkies in the gas station, when he uh-huh. first gets the call, 
there's a scene where he walks out and just before he gets in the car, he like puts his stuff in his car. Then he takes a couple steps away to go look at the Nakatomi building because it's right down the street from him. Yeah. Uh-huh. The camera's behind him and it pans up to the top of the building and you can see the gunfire flashes, but he doesn't know what that is. It looks like it's just lights up there. But the really disturbing part is it pans up past the sign of the Shell Station in 1988, and gas is 74 cents a gallon. Say, was it 79 cents? <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote that down, and then I cried a little inside. You're like, oh. I do remember. I, I that's one of those things that will always just take me out of a movie just a little bit is yep. when you get an older movie and you pan and they pan up and you know gas is 82 cents a gallon mm-hmm. it's like, oh jeez yeah, it, it's like that stuff the pay phones the yep. the bigger cell phone yeah i mean it's you know that stuff that like kind of takes you out of the moment like wait what in die hard yep. 2 when he's trying to return the call cuz his beeper is going off yep or yeah. he's well he's got a he's got to fax the fingerprints over to That's Powell exactly and right. uh, <laughs> LA police headquarters and and that's like a new technology. Well, and it was it was funny because I had I had never actually sat down and watched Die Hard one or two, mm-hmm. but I thought that I had seen most of them all the way through. And while watching Die Hard, I, was like, I actually haven't seen about half of this movie. I just had never <laughs> sat down to watch it. Now Die Hard two, I'd seen, you know, the beginning, and I'd seen the end, and I'd seen the middle. I just never sat down and watched the whole thing, and I so I did that too. But, um. I was really glad that we did this because I was like, man, Die Hard's great. Mm-hmm. Die Hard is great. I think it's one of those movies that just kind of loses, like, either either you you love it or you, you haven't seen it. Or it's just kind of one of those films. It's well, fantastic. and I think other than, other than some of the hairdos and, and styles of clothes being really off, the movie holds up still really oh, yeah. well. And you oh, figure it's 30 years great. old now. Yep. Yeah, it absolutely holds up. I mean, when, when the worst thing that you're dealing with is fashion and cars... Right. That you're still in pretty good shape when it comes and 74 to seventy four cent a gallon gas. Yeah, well that too. But look, I, I made my kids watch buy a pack of cigarettes for twenty bucks. Uh, I made my kids watch Ernest in the Army the other day. <laughs> you're that such a mean parent. Does not hold up. Uh, <laughs> but this movie, this movie holds up pretty well. Does Ernest saves Christmas hold up? That's the question. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic movie. Okay. Are you kidding me, Mr. Santos? We're gonna. We're going to take you downtown. He thinks his name's Santos. I think he's a homeless man. I I think I saw it the one time, Nick, when I was like Uh, eight. Oh, well, you're missing out because I watch it multiple times a year. You see what I deal with? This is why you're invited because I need somebody else who's sane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's got to be pretty bad when, even though I've seen those movies when I was a kid, I still equate Jim Varney more with the voice of the Slinky Dog Slinky from Toy Dog Story show. than I do with Ernest, and I don't know why. I completely uh, – we, we were actually – I was just having this discussion. Uh, this is the second time I've mentioned Shane on a podcast with Shane, <laughs> at, um, a friend at work. He uh, paid you money? This podcast. <clears throat> kind of. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting over that cold thing that's going around. I apologize to everyone. And uh, we, were, we were both surprised because we were talking about Jim Varney because I was telling him how Ernest – in the army doesn't hold up and he was like he was like yeah he was like he's like what was he in it was pretty much just that stuff and we were going through his credits and i was like oh here's the voice of slinky slinky dog in toy story we both uh had thought that um that it was the dad from uh boy meets world um uh sean's dad on boy meets world uh oh uh, farmer fran from uh from the water boy Nope. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No. Nothing. No. Nope. Yeah, nothing. I, I know who you're talking about, but and I can. I guess I can see that. Yeah, we and he and he does the voice for him in the third one, obviously, because Jim Varney is now dead. Um, oh, so you just assumed Jim Varney's dead? Yeah, he died in 2000. We <laughs> yeah. that also brought the mood down a little bit at work. Uh, <laughs> On this national day of mourning. Yes, uh, we put our flags at half staff for a different reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, uh, but no, we were yeah we were we were yeah we were pretty bummed out about that. What's this guy's name? It's gonna bug the heck out of me. Uh, All right, so while he's looking that up, I, yes, I have please. a um, I want to I want to go back to Die Hard, and I have one minor continuity gripe about Die Hard Ooh. that I want to mention. Blake Clark, and, that's his name. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. 
And it, it's been bothering me, and I don't know that I ever noticed it before, but I, it, it, for some reason it kind of gnawed at me for the last couple of minutes of the movie when I watched it last week. And that's the, the scene at the end when, you know, comes in and he's, after he punches the guy out, who you know, the, the, um, the American guy who's helping them out as the front security guard, you know, mm-hmm. the bearer bonds go streaming across the floor, and he kind of shuffles in. His feet are bleeding and everything. He's got no shirt on. He's holding the AK-40 or the the, the MP5 or whatever mm-hmm. assault rifle he's got. And then he, he drops it, and he's got his hands on his head, right, because he's got yeah. the sneaky thing. Like, he's got the pistol taped to his back. Mm-hmm. Two things. Number one, he's coated in blood and sweat. Mm-hmm. How did he get tape to stick to him? Packing tape. Gorilla. Number two, how did he... How did he get, like, it's, the gun is taped to the one place in between your shoulder blades that unless you're a contortionist, (laughs) no human being can reach to a degree that would allow you to tape it that precisely. Okay, well, he's obviously, here's what you're forgetting to to realize. He's obviously a highly tuned law enforcement officer. (laughs) So there's that. Okay, I'll agree with that. I'm not sure. They are specially trained. Non sequitur, but all right. Especially here's, uh, trained. Here, here's especially the, trained to, to tape, tape weapons in between firearms to the middle of your I mean, back. <clears throat> I just look like a T Rex trying to get back there, but <clears throat> maybe he's got really long arms. We don't know. <laughs> that could be it too. Maybe person. that's it. I don't know. Maybe he yeah. does yoga. Yeah, he could. He could. Uh, I, I, I would err more on the side of doing what I do when I watch professional wrestling. Uh, don't, uh, don't try to imply, apply logic to an illogical situation. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes, the, the, yeah, it it just it just works. Like sometimes you're gonna set a guy on fire for no reason in a match. Sometimes, uh, in a you know, match. Yeah. Sometimes you're gonna bury somebody alive and they're gonna be on TV the next week. It's uh, it's it's almost like in Die Hard Two, when he lights the jet fuel on fire on the tarmac, how it gets into the air. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, yep. you see, you know, fumes and things, you know, it's going to travel. Yeah, I think they kind of proved that couldn't happen on Mythbusters, but whatever. Are we to believe everything that we see on Mythbusters? <laughs> on today's Mythbusters, we're going to attempt to blow up a 747 just to prove that scene wrong. But just just as it's getting into the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but you're, you're you right. That's admit, something that's always bothered me. Whether that scene is accurate or not. The first time you watch it, especially like if you were a teenager when you watched uh-huh. it the first time, that's pretty badass. It's oh, cool yeah. as hell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you're going, come on, get it, get it, get it. Yes. And, the sh- and the shot for shot remake on Community of that with the fistful of uh, paintballs. <laughs> uh, oh was, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Where he had a paintball gun too. <laughs> <in the back. laughs> His back. Well, that, was, uh, that was that was the other part from a casting perspective. That it took me a while to reconcile John Amos, uh-huh. who's the special forces commander, like the you know the turncoat, the good guy who who turns traitor, mm-hmm. and like I just I keep I can't think of him without thinking of you know Jimmy Walker from Good Times. I think I think that was <laughs> like wasn't he the dad in Good Times? <laughs> what was he in? What's he was in one of the shows? Isn't like, he I in the box of the good famous times, Amos but, cookies? Yeah, he's I'm heir to the famous, the Amos, uh, the famous Amos <laughs> fortune. That would be awesome. Yeah, he was. He's I think not. he was. Uh, I think he was the dad in Good Times. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Hold on, it's coming. John Amos IMDb biography. I just liked that. Uh, yeah, look at that. Uh, James Evans Senior on Good Times. Yep. And he was in Roots. And he's a really oh, good actor. Chips. Oh yeah. He's a great. It's just uh, it, you're right. It's it's funny because he's still alive. Is he? Yeah, he's not that old. He's seventy eight. Oh, okay. Never mind. I, guess I just thought. I guess I just I just assumed he was dead. Nick. Well, you're, just, you know. you're thinking of about Jim Varney. I am thinking of Jim Varney. God rest his soul. <laughs> uh, what other weird things was he in that? Uh, oh, he was guys, on the you, ranch too. Do you guys know Bruce Willis had a uh, a musical album? <laughs> really, like I didn't, Pesci. and I'll, I didn't, and I'll thank you never to mention that again, so I don't <laughs> have to add it. 
It's like how Joe Pesci had a musical album called Little Joe Sure Can Sing. That's a real really? thing, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah, Little Joe Sure Can Sing. You never heard that? Nope. <laughs> I need you to look it up. Little Joe that, Sure Can Sing. For, for some, I, I feel like that, even having never heard it, that belongs right there on the shelf next to Eddie Murphy's party all the time. Like, nope. yeah, no thanks. Um, I feel like every song starts with, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Well, doesn't then, every sentence that comes out of Joe Pesci's <laughs> mouth begin with that? Yes. What? What is that? Here's Respect Yourself by Bruce Willis. Might be a different Bruce Willis. No. Oh, I think that's the same one. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> oh, you guys are all turn that off. You yes. can have that for 99 cents on iTunes, everybody. You guys are all... They should pay you 99 cents to download that. <laughs> the it's album on... is called The Return of Bruno. That's fantastic. It's actually on the 20th Century Masters Motown CD. Oh. Oh, why? What is... Here's a song? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's got a few. Does he really? Does he have a song in Pulp Fiction? Here's... It's from the whole nine yards. 10th Avenue Tango. Oh, listen and play that mouth part. Come on. Maybe it's just an instrumental. It's chops. He's just showing off. That's just some, that's just some harmonica goofing. It's just showing off, showing his skills. <laughs> nope. That's a that's a whole lot of music right there. The Bruce Willis. That's crazy mixed up world. Yeah. Uh, I could have lived my life without knowing that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Well, you know that stupid trivia I didn't need to know. Yep. One day you're gonna. One day you're gonna be like, "Hey, did you guys know that Bruce Willis had an album? Let's listen to it." Because I forgot yeah. how terrible it was. No, I don't think <laughs> <But> so. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, do you have anything else to add um, about Die Hard? So I, I do have one thing, and I'm going to go back to my uh, my friend out in uh, out on the West Coast, my my millennial who's still standing by for the phone call to be <laughs> tagged into this conversation. But she actually, so she, she she kind of faked me out. She went through this whole thing of throwing all these arguments as to why Die Hard wasn't a Christmas movie, making me counter all of them, and then it was like the big reveal at the end. She was like, "Spoiler alert! I actually do think it's a Christmas movie." Oh. I just make sure you could argue. I was like, "I hate you." Um, <laughs> But believe it or not, she actually made one compelling argument against it being a Christmas movie, and I found it very difficult to counter this. As she pointed out, there are boobies in Die Hard, and there can't be boobies in a Christmas movie. And now, I didn't really have a rebuttal to that. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> Try though I might. I was kind of like, eh, yeah. You know, yeah. Santa wants us to be happy. Well, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I I don't know. So I would, I Santa has a Mrs. Claus, everybody. Well, that's true. Right. But no, it, it's, although that's a very compelling, uh, a very compelling argument. It yeah. you know it, it's just one of those things that kind of gnaws at you. All the rest of them, I felt confident in my ability to shoot down, but that one was like, uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You gotta have something for the whole. I, thing. I love I, I love that it's the uh, that it's the like third of a second of boobies that gives me pause, whereas yippee Kaye motherfucker doesn't bother me at all. Yep. You're like, whoa, that was... <laughs> but, but apparently that one that one scene of the topless woman, that's the bridge too far. So. That's the that's your point. That's the point where we've we've just, we can't have it. But I, I, I think we can agree for the listening community at large, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yep. yep. If you don't think it's a Christmas movie, don't watch it, but... It's still a Christmas movie because mm-hmm. Comcast told me so. Well, and you know the other piece of it, 
does it really hurt you if you don't believe it's a Christmas movie? And I do. Who who does it hurt? No. You know, it's just no, people but... wanting to poop in my Cheerios for the sake of pooping in my Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's strange though because my my tradition was always for many many years my tradition like the day after Christmas this is before I had kids and actually had like free time to do this uh, where I would those you know, decorate I would always decorate the house the day after Christmas and now it's like I it we're or the day after Thanksgiving, and now I have you know one tree up with no ornaments on it and a bunch of boxes sitting around because the stuff's still not up yet. <laughs> but but I always had this tradition where the day after Thanksgiving I would put the tree up, and while I was doing that I would put on my Christmas movie of choice, which was yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yep. Yep. And not that I denigrate that movie at all, but somewhere within the last few years that actually just organically morphed into me watching Die Hard while I put up the Christmas tree instead. I don't know why, I don't know when, but it just kind of happened where that became my go-to decorate the house for Christmas movie. Well, and I and think that right there tells you that it's a Christmas movie. I know. That's what I'm <laughs> right? saying. I don't right? think there's anything. Yeah. There, there are almost boobies in Christmas Vacation. Almost. Almost. So close. That is it's true. essentially about half a second less than in Die Hard. That's it. That's yeah. There, there's your there's your rebuttal. There there are half a second less boobies in White Christmas than there are in Die Hard. And that's and that's data that's White data Christmas? driven. Yeah, I, I mean that. that's that's empirical evidence. Yeah, that's good. It's statistically I, zero. I'm just keep waiting for that extended edition of of Christmas Vacation where they just extend that. Where, they, where Ruby Sue under. doesn't say, but says Santa Claus about two seconds later. Yep, mm. I'm thinking yep. there's got to be a shot somewhere of it. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I keep waiting. Yeah. You can yeah. dream, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly right. Yeah, yep. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. One of these days. <laughs> yep. <sighs> All right, gentlemen. Oh, sorry. I think I just pulled the dog's hair. Uh it's long. It's like this. Um, I think we need to close this one up so that we can get on. To the next episode, which is sort of a big deal. So, so roll them up. It is. So, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to the Pillow Talk Podcast listening community. Yeah, go watch. Go watch Die Hard. Go watch Die Merry Hard. Cri- Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Kwanzaa if you're into that. Uh, enjoy your Hanukkah. Um, Merry New Hanukkah Year. If, it's, if people Hanukkah is a thing, Kwanzaa is a thing. The kids sing about it every year at school. Mm-hmm. They have songs. Oh, there's a Kwanzaa song. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. I feel like it's... Eh? Is that like Springfield, Springfield? You know what? Let me just go wake one of them up. Hold on. <laughs> sing the Kwanzaa song. Kid, sing the Kwanzaa song for me. That we have to sing because of that one kid in school. Yeah. it's. Uh, I know which one I'd wake up because she'd be the one who would sing it. <laughs> there you go. She's the one who's fiercely uh, fiercely guarding of, of being the voice of the Pillow Talk podcast. She's like, no, you yeah. can't do the voices. I do the voices. It's dad. It would just be weird if you did it. It's very true. It's what brings people. And besides, Dad, you're going to have to call my agent if you want to make any changes. That's exactly it. Pretty much. That's where she's at, too. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to close this one up. Yep. Yep. And uh, we hope everyone joins us next week for a very special 100th episode of the Pillow Talk podcast. 100 episodes. We did it. Epic milestone. Well, we haven't done it yet, Nick. Yeah. That's true. In your face, Mom, I did do something important with my life. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we will see everybody next week for something really special. Yes. All right, so say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Bye. But what of the things that we've shared? What of all the the sweet words that you spoke in private? Uh, well, Well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. Thank you for listening to the Pillow Talk Podcast. The theme song to Pillow Talk is Carrie Says All Right by The Hard Lessons. Find more interpretations on them at thehardlessons.bandcamp.com. Visit us on the web at Local Flavors. I forgot. <laughs> at Local Flavors Productions.net. Thank you for listening to Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk. And here we go. Delightful. And since we've no place to go. 
Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a show. Science of stopping. And I brought me some tea gray hot. The lights <laughs> turned way down low. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. When we finally kiss. Night. <laughs> How I hate going out in the storm. But if you... Really? Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> All the way home, I'll be warm. Oh, the fire is slowly dying. And my dear... We're still goodbye, then. But as long as you love me, so... Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. <laughs> well, I'm in the holiday spirit now. <laughs> uh, listener, uh... James Covenant. Listener Shane, luck. Lucky sent it to us. Uh, Outstanding. Yep. All right, boys. Well, I got to let you go. This has been a blast. It's been awesome. 